welcome to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast with co-founders and hosts, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. Each week, we tackle another tough topic to help professional divorce coaches maximize client impact and cultivate thriving practices. We also want to spread the word about the expertise and value that certified divorce coaches bring to the table. At DCA, we are committed to ongoing learning and we value generosity among divorce coaching professionals. We believe that when one succeeds, we all succeed. Welcome back to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. It's Deborah. I'm here with Tracy. Hi. Hi. So, how many times have you heard a client say, that triggered me, or they triggered me, or I was triggered? That's something we hear a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking all about triggers, why they happen, and more importantly, what you as a divorce coach can do to support your clients in managing those emotional responses. Because when clients act out of fear, anger, powerlessness, overwhelm, or some of those other emotions that come up. We know they aren't making the best decisions for themselves. Yep. They're reacting. They're They're reacting. reacting, And they're protecting, right? They're reacting out of protection. Out of protection, right? Mm -hmm. In psychology, they'll tell us that a trigger is a stimulus. It's a stimulus that causes a painful memory to resurface. And it can be any kind of sensory reminder a sound, a sight, a smell, a physical sensation, even a time of day, a season, sometimes a date on a calendar. Yeah. Right. Any kind of a reminder of that painful event. Yeah. I often like to use this as a perfect example in Silver Linings Playbook, right? Where You and your movie references. I do. Well, because I think it's a really perfect demonstration of how a a stimulus can engage somebody in the point where there is a real nervous system engagement, right? That there is this out of control sort of response to that stimulus. So in Silver Lining Playbook, Matthew McConaughey, uh, not Matthew, uh, Bradley Cooper was reacting to the song, right? Every time he heard the song, which was that stimulus of when he caught his wife having an affair with a colleague having sex in the shower. So if you haven't watched the movie, now you might want to watch the movie. But a perfect example as every time he heard that song, he -hmm. had a psychological experience. Do that. There's also a great book by written by, and I can't remember the doctor's name, but along with Oprah Winfrey called What Happened to You? So sometimes yeah. we need to ask, rather than saying what's wrong with you, what happened to you? And he tells the story of a child. He's a child psychologist he was working with who was really acting out, especially in school. Mm. And he was working with this child and And he mostly was okay, but in this one class with this one teacher, he was having violent reactions Mm. and probing, probing, probing. They figured out this teacher was wearing the same cologne that his abusive father wore. And so anytime this teacher came close, that smell triggered him. And the solution was as simple as the teacher not wearing that cologne anymore. So it is a physiological thing that is built into us. Yes. 
Our nervous system. Yes. Our nervous system that the amygdala, that Mm -hmm. most primitive part of our brain, it's also called the reptile brain or the lizard brain. It goes by all kinds of names, but its job is to protect us, to keep us alive, our survival. And, and it scans the environment for safety all the time. Yeah. And when threats, it's looking for threats all the time and it believes life or death is at stake. Yep. Right. It's job was to watch for bears and lions and tigers. Oh my. Yeah. Threats. And what we know about threats now for many of our clients, whether that threat is perceived real or not, it is being experienced in their bodies as real, right? So this is an important piece for coaches, right? Because often when we hear clients say they're triggered or something triggered them or they're being triggered now, there's often a time where coaches might try to overstep that or just sort of not engage, right? For fear of their own stuff, right? Their ability to support the client in that experience or perhaps their own prejudices related to that experience, like, come on, suck it up, buttercup. But for a client, those are real. These strong reactions often come as a surprise to the client as well and the coach. And being mindful for the coach to recognize also is the client's triggering triggering them. And and we talk a lot about coaching from your scar, not your wound, but in a really important piece in supporting clients and maintaining emotional control with those triggers is the recognition also of your own ability to be working with clients and how it's impacting you. Absolutely. Because the threat doesn't have to be real in order for the client to be experiencing this, what we call amygdala hijack, Mm -hmm. right? To be having these and their physical symptoms, it can be sweating and increased heart rate, all kinds of, it is a physical response. The amygdala kicks off all the all the things that your body would need to either run away from or fight a buffalo. Yeah. Or yeah. that's what it's designed to do, right? Fight or flight and, and get ready. And the, and in today's environment, we don't do that, but our amygdala doesn't know. And so whether the threat is perceived or real, our reaction is the same. Yeah. And we have those familiar five trauma responses Mostly we're familiar with fight or flight, but there's also freeze, fawn, and flop. Yeah. And and often our stress responses are patterned behaviors to protect ourselves, right? So we often see a pattern in terms of our bodies, our nervous system's ability to engage in us, right? Our amygdala and activation, it is a pattern of protection, so we'll see it repeat for similar stress responses. Right. And if we think about the process of divorce, it certainly makes sense that people feel threatened during divorce. And I know most um, certified divorce coaches that are listening are going to be familiar with the SCARF assessment, 
right? Status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. They are all threatened during divorce. Yep. Where am Every I going to live? Them. Every one of them, right? Every and I don't think I don't think David had that in mind when he created the scarf assessment. But yes. so appropriate to people experiencing divorce. All of those threats are present during the divorce process. Some they are. Another. It's, it's not but, a bear. It's not yeah. a bear. But I am worried that I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Yeah. I am worried that I'm going to lose the house. I am worried that I'm going to lose time with my children. I am worried that I don't know what the outcome is going to be. So yeah. it's still, it's still a threat. And when people are threatened, they can act in aggressive ways mm-hmm. yeah. or refuse to act at all. Yeah. Right. They yeah. have problems with rational, empathetic thinking. They engage in poor decision making and they often damage relationships. For sure damages relationships. Again, yeah. because the the recognition of I have to protect myself, right? Yeah. So in that physiological response process, Amy, right, the amygdala, we like to talk about uh the amygdala as Amy the toddler, right? And it is just for me such a wonderful um uh, metaphor ability for clients when we're talking with clients in terms of their awareness. Because a lot of what we do as coaches is help our clients increase their awareness. They don't know what's happening to them, right? It, it, it's a surprise to them. It, and and again, it's individual to each in person, how they experience triggers and their stress responses. But having them understand that there is this part of their brain, that it is something that is a a primitive response. It's how we are built, helps create opportunities to expand on that for them to be able to work in developing that coping strategies or regulating resources to move forward. So Amy, that toddler is wonderful example to help clients see that part of their brain and what happens when Amy is feeling like she needs to get out of that car seat and grab the driving uh, wheel. Right. The other thing I think is helpful about explaining this is it it takes away the shame, right? Mm-hmm. It's not anything that's wrong with them. This is how our nervous system is built. Yeah. So- Amy isn't, when Amy gets out of the car seat, when she unbuckles, climbs over and grabs the steering wheel, toddlers don't have driver's licenses for a reason because yeah. they, they suck at it and they're going to crash and they're, they're a threat to other people on the road. So when we're able to use that analogy of an angry toddler throwing a temper tantrum and our goal then is to get Amy settled enough, we can get her back in the car seat and buckled in where she's safe and she's not the one in charge of driving the car. It really helps clients understand, it takes away the shame and it helps them understand the goal. Right. Right. And and so much of the work that we do in supporting clients in taking the steps that they need to change the dynamics of situations, right? For them to be able to reach and accomplish the goals they want, whether that is transitioning a co-parenting relationship 
or getting to a parenting plan or custody agreement, agreements and marital settlement agreement. When our clients understand, right, that we are physiological beings, we're not necessarily cognitive beings, but when we can take the steps necessary to have that self-awareness and that self-management, which are two very, very important uh, parts of this emotional intelligence and understanding trigger responses, we then help them move from that reactive state back into the thinking part of their brain, the cognitive processing, right? The ability to engage in purposeful and intentional decision-making to more easily accomplish those goals. So it is the change right? Triggers don't miraculously just go away, Deb, right? They just uh, don't. <laughs> no, I know that. <laughs> I so, still have them. Yeah. Right? And, and the goal is management. The goal, the goal is not erasure. It is not. It is management. It's and management. part of management comes into awareness, right? Yeah. Our own awareness of what this looks like for us, how it's showing up and what can we do? So yeah. that leads so us. So let's talk to, about what we yeah, can do. Let's, what let's can we talk do? About coaches, what can we do? Right. So we talked a little bit about it. Is is your reaction, your first response, sort of thinking your client is over dramatic? Do you overstep comments because you're not sure what to do? And and we play a big part in this process for clients again as coaches not us therapists, but helping clients stay calm and supported is a big part of what we can do, right? Clients are, their ability to sort of sit with that experience, we call it distress tolerance, right? But to be able to have that experience, have the client experience it, and to be able to know that, okay, they are safe, they can be safe, so that they are able to process and to think about what's happening, right? So again, moving from that sort of physiological response to trying to create opportunities for protection, the next piece is to be able to acknowledge the client's feelings and experience, right? This is part of validating that the client was heard, that we recognize what they're sharing, right? We're not trying to minimize their experience or dismiss their experience or judge their experience, right? Helping them identify exactly what they're feeling. We talk about affect labeling. How is it? How are these things, this trigger showing up for them in their body's thoughts and feelings, right? So here, naming them, right? Naming them that feeling. What is happening for them? Are they feeling anxious? Are they feeling nauseous? Are they feeling, you know, a little frozen role? Yeah, frozen. And affect labeling, what we know is that most people have an emotional vocabulary of three words, mad, sad, and glad, right? And so part of affect labeling is really getting down to what exactly are they feeling, not just in their body, but emotionally? Because studies show that just naming it can reduce the intensity of that by up to 50%. Yeah. Putting a word to it. Just feeling, just saying, I feel humiliated. I feel rejected. 
I feel something other than what, what is making you mad? Get below that. Yeah. Yeah. So acknowledging that, right. And then helping the client to identify the trigger. We talk about this. We use a lot of wonderful exercises as coaches, the trigger response exercise, the ABCDE exercise. So if you're not familiar with those, please, you know, reach out. We can, we can share those resources with you. But one of the things is, is helping the client identify the trigger is to be able to, similar to affect labeling, to be able to say, right, going a little below this, using your wonderful skills of uh, active listening and open-ended questioning, powerful questioning with your clients to try to see, like we just talked about, Deb, you gave that example of the little boy in school, right? And the cologne, right? That took work. That took curiosity. That took powerful questioning, observations, right? So that's what we're doing is helping our clients identify that trigger, right? Once the client has been able to move past that sort of physiological response, it can be an impactful process to be able to try to explore, name, identify so that they can better understand what's happening with them. Yeah. And then the next step really, and Tracy, you mentioned distress tolerance, and there are many skills and tools that I know you all use to help the client develop some coping mechanisms and regulating resources. So they've identified the trigger. Great. Now, how do I get myself situated so that it doesn't derail me so that Amy doesn't unbuckle and grab the steering wheel so that I can still do what I need to do, make the decisions I need to make, stay in mediation without stabbing someone in the eye with a fork, whatever it is (laughs) I need to do, right? So moving them from this reactive state of protection to a thinking process where they're able to really engage effectively. And so some of the tools that we use to help improve distress tolerance are breathing exercises, We've talked about box breathing. We've talked about the uh, four, seven, eight breathing technique, certainly grounding exercises. I know one of the ones you and I really like is the category challenge. Quick, name flavors of ice cream. Quick, name five NFL teams, you know, those kinds of things. Um, And then helping them kind of come up with their own self-soothing toolbox. Yes. What works for them? For them. For them, them. not for you. (laughs) Because it's unique to them, right? Right. Is it a cup of tea? Is Is it music? Is it getting a massage? Is it talking to a friend? Is it painting their toenails, taking a bath? What is self soothing to them? Right. So, all of those tools together, the goal is to allow them to sit long enough for those stress hormones of cortisol and adrenaline, which take about 20 minutes to resolve in the body. Yep. To say, okay, I'm ready. Yep. Yep. So often we talk about these coping mechanisms or coping strategies, but we also can identify them as regulating resources. Cause we also know that for clients, some of their coping strategies might not 
be necessarily that effective either, right? Drinking, smoking, substance abuse use, right? Engaging in some of these behaviors. So we want to make sure that we're also supporting our clients and regulating their resources. And a lot of that can be also done in boundary work that I know we also play a lot of uh, time in that space. The other really important piece in this sort of last step with clients and a, a, a really impactful piece when we talk about change, self-reflection and assessment is helping your clients monitor their progress, right? Yes. So all of this amazing, right? Affect labeling and identifying that trigger and working on regulating resources and developing some coping mechanisms and strategies to move from our reactive part of our brain aiming to our thinking part of our brain. But now we want to be able to support our clients and monitoring their progress, right? So we often refer to the resting peaceful place, right? So when a client is triggered, having them actually chart this process is going to be extremely impactful for them to be able to acknowledge the work that they're doing, right? So as we said, the triggers aren't going to go away, but maybe they become less frequent. Maybe the duration of the trigger response becomes shorter, right? Maybe the intensity becomes a little less. So helping helping your clients literally track this when they experience a trigger, what happened? How did they feel? What were what were their body processes involved in that? And then how long did it last? How would you rate it? Right. So here the client can start seeing, wow, the work that I'm doing is making a difference. Yeah. yeah. Which is so really important. It really is because they have a tendency to think I'm still getting triggered. I'm still getting triggered. I'm still getting triggered. But part of what we can do is help them realize, but you've made so much progress. What used to be a 10 in intensity and cause you to stay in the bed for three days is now a four and you're back up and at it in an hour. And when we're able to help them recognize that they're like, huh, wow, I really am doing good work. And we know that positive reinforcement, acknowledgement of progress does what spurs more. Yes. Progress. Yes. So acknowledging and celebrating the client's efforts, even if it's really, really these small incremental steps makes a huge difference in supporting more change. Okay. So we can go on and on and talk about emotional triggers and our clients and the work, but I'm just going to leave you with these last steps, right? Some tips as a coach, be patient, right? It takes time for our clients to move through trauma. I know as coaches, we like to talk about our ability to listen and be patient. But remember, this is their client's journey. It's their pace, okay? Be non-judgmental, right? Creating that safe, supportive environment for your client so that they can feel comfortable sharing the experience is going to support rapport. Be respectful, Your clients are going through a difficult time. We know that, right? So respecting their feelings and boundaries is also extremely important in working in triggers. Be knowledgeable, right? If you're not familiar with trauma and triggers, 
get some, get some training, get some education. We offer quite a few courses at Divorce Coaches Academy. We just did a coaching divorce to overwhelm with Michelle Browning on a somatic approach. Get the information so you can best support your clients in this process. And of course, as coaches, be supportive, right? Letting your clients know that you're there for them and that you believe them. Your support makes a big difference in their healing journey. Yeah. And in their ability to engage in their divorce process. Yeah. Because we know in an ideal world, our clients would have the opportunity to do all their trauma healing work and then engage in the business of divorce. But unfortunately, that is not a luxury they are often afforded. They have to do both at the same time. So Mm -hmm. again, management is our key here. It may not be healing and we're not therapists, but what we can do is help them keep Amy in the car seat so they can carry on with their decision-making process. Yeah. To develop those skills. Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for your listening time. We greatly appreciate over here at Divorce Coaches Academy. Please don't hesitate to reach out or comment. We love comments and we also love reviews. So until next time, we wish you well. Thanks for joining us for the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. It helps other divorce professionals find us and add to the conversation. And don't forget to follow us on social media to be the first to know when we add new classes and events. We'll be back next week with another topic to help you maximize client impact, create a thriving business, and promote the value of professional divorce coaching.